to sit back here in this studio looking at a guy out here hollering my name when last year I spent more money on spilled liquor and bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex wearing diamond ring wearing kiss stealing wheel of dealing limousine like jet flying son of a gun and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Welcome to the August edition of the Walker AC Experience. I am your host, Walker AC, and to you, my friends, yes, you're still my friends. I go by Adrian. Once again, this is the Walker AC Experience coming to you from walkerac76.podbean.com. That's where you can find us. Give us a like, subscribe, comment, everything in between. And of course, write us at uh, slackingmajestically01 at yahoo.com. That's slackingmajestically01 at yahoo.com. Kind of have a fun episode, folks, as always. I just listened to the episode of Cereal and Beer with Kevin and Jeff. A tremendous episode. I highly recommend everybody listens to it. I make a little small cameo towards the end. So you want that little nugget of goodness at the end, that little cherry on the cake? Cherry on the cake? No, that doesn't make any sense. The icing on the cake, then you'll stay tuned for that little uh, little treat for you. And of course, without further ado, let me introduce you my co-host, the man of the hour, the intelligent one of the group, and the one who has the awesome palate, Kevin Yu. Hey, Kevin, how's it going? Hello, and welcome, potential sponsors. <laughs> so, no, normally, I was going to just go right into the topic, but seeing as how this is a podcast and there really isn't any rules, we're going to pull back the curtain a little bit. So, shall we, Kevin? Shall we do this? Absolutely. I had a witty, awesome line before I played the intro. We hit the line. It was organic. It was a great little laugh between us. And I come to find out, I did not hit record under the right thing. So we missed a perfect opportunity to make the people chuckle in the beginning. I'm very disappointed in myself. Well, it's kind of a, a, a um, derivative of when you, you know, when you had a, a interaction or argument with somebody, and then like you know, in the middle of the night, you're like, oh, I should have said that. <laughs> <laughs> you think about it, like you know, I should have hit that line. The moment I hit that line, it would have changed everything. But now I can't go back and argue again. That's just the rough part. Um, how are you doing these days? Hmm. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to get, figure things out. I've been thinking of like of something I've been should have been doing all along, which is eating less. Because I'm habitually just gorging, like eating like there's no tomorrow, and that's like it's bad for me. And I feel like maybe because it's also really hot. So I'm slightly less hungry. I'm like, you know what? I should just go with that and not just eat like like I'm pregnant with twins every day, all all day. You know? Well, I'm, well, I mean, the weather you know calls you to eat so much. I mean, have you have you been snacking throughout the whole day? I mean, is there any particular time that you stop eating at night? Um, I just, I mean, one of my habits is eating while watching something, which is a really bad habit. I mean. 
I could use like lower calorie um, alternatives like popcorn and just having like a water with a meal, which I really should be doing. And so it's just also being consistent. And so it's just being mindful of these things and just, again, thinking my portion, like I don't have to eat, you know, like a whole bunch of food all the time. And just it's, I think it's creating better habits for myself and, and letting myself be satiated without thinking of just eating by volume. Yes, I used to stress eat. I used to eat when I was bored. I used to eat because the food was there. Um, so I had to really train myself just to, you know, have my either lunch and dinner or breakfast and dinner and stop eating after 8 o'clock. And for a while there, it was really hard to stop eating after 8 because I was so used just to snacking and to eating at 1 in the morning, 2 in the morning, going to sleep, then waking up and doing it all over again. And until I found out I had really bad acid reflux. So oh. it's a tremendous thing waking up at three o'clock in the morning, choking and not even realizing it. And yeah, waking up and gagging and believing you're, believing you're about to die. Oh yeah, that was a nice little warning sign. So yes, after eight o'clock, I don't eat. If I get really hungry for whatever reason, you know, I just have like a full bottle of water and I'm fine for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tried intermittent fasting for a little bit, and I did it for like a month, and it didn't feel like a huge difference, but it did help me just be mindful and be like, okay, it's past 8 o'clock, I shouldn't be eating eating or drinking anything but water for now. And so at least it helped me regulate, you know, what I'm trying to eat. And so that was, you know, not a bad practice, and maybe I just keep doing that again. It's really tough to train the body to do that. But now, I, you know, I got it down pat. I have my light dinner already. I'm looking at the clock. It's past 8 o'clock. And once again, I really have no desire to eat anything. And I learned that the worst thing to eat at night is chips. If you eat potato chips at night, it's the worst. Uh, because it takes longer to digest. And acid reflux loves potato chips. And, uh, yeah, so I have to stay up a little bit longer for my body to digest all that fun stuff before I even consider laying down. Because, once again, waking up in the middle of the night choking, not really my thing. Not really my thing, not at all. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not ready to go out like that, quote-unquote. Um, but, yes, um, I mean, what time do you normally stop eating? You said 8 o'clock, right? Or is it before then? Well, that was when I was doing intermittent fasting. Nowadays, it's just... I just came to that realization, like, this is becoming a habit. I mean, I could be, be snacking at, like, you know, 10 at, at, at night, and it's just, why? <laughs> it, is, it is kind of like, almost like a sort of activity or like a stimulation. Like, do I, do I really need that? And the answer really is no. Well, I think people just get used to it. I mean, it's, it's just something to do. You know, because we're so used to stuffing our fat faces all the time. I mean, what else What else is there? We watch TV, we eat. We read a book, we eat. We listen to music, we eat. And with such a habit like that, it's really hard to, to, to train ourselves not to do that anymore. You know, the, the fortunate ones, um, we just stop. And if I forget to eat, if I get busy, you know, either I shrug my shoulders and I go, okay, it is what it is. Or I have a small bowl of oatmeal, just something really light, something really simple. And of course, just like you, the binge eating thing, I stopped when I stepped on that scale and I'm like, yo, boy, no, 
nope, not going to happen. We're going to stop this right now because, yeah, I can't see those same numbers over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And just conditioning yourself to better habits. It's always an adjustment. Of course, the beginning is always the toughest part anyways. But you get used to it and it's like, oh, it's not so bad. Yeah, and see, I really don't want to be one of those... I really don't want to be the person that steps on a scale or tries on clothes and they don't fit anymore and I just shrug my shoulders and go, okay, I'm good with that. No, 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 I'm not going to do that. And there was an old joke going around... And for you and for those millennials out there, I apologize in advance. The old joke is the moment I don't see my dick, I'm going to stop eating. I'm just <laughs> going to go on a diet, liposuction, whatnot. If, you know, if I look down and I don't see it, something's a problem. So I think it's time to go on a keto diet, fasting, it, it just whatever. So, you know, that's, that's my morning ritual. If I see it, I'm good. Sorry, mom. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't apologize to your mom you should try to have her parents and genitals in very separate conversations <laughs> that is true so as we quickly dance away from this one folks because well pretty much we're already cancelled so it's alright um, one of the topics I wanted to bounce off you then we'll go back and forth is a little simple thing something that, that each and every single one of us do and once again, the older we get, the more things we kind of just, the kind of things we accept and little bitty things we change about each other, for me is complaining. And I'm going to let that hang in the air for a second. Complaining. Now, of course, we're not going to split hairs and break it down into, okay, well, there's multi-levels of complaining. No, 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 no. In my belief... There's this one type of complaining. I mean, yes, we can be goofy and complain about, you know, customer service and food things and, you know, they don't get our clothes right and we can complain about that. No, just complaining in general. I just realized that I don't see the use in it, just like I don't see the use in anger because nothing good becomes of anger and nothing really good becomes of complaining. Now, of course, we can make the basic Karen joke or the Chad joke or whatnot, you know, complaining, let me speak to your manager, something's going on. You just want to be heard because you're dissatisfied with just whatever, you know, whether it be the fault of the customer service or even the fault of your own poor planning. You know, I just don't see the use in complaining. And before I dip into it even further, I'll ask you, Kevin, uh, what, what are your belief system about that? Well, complaining is natural. Um, it can be addictive because in a weird, twisted way, it is kind of fun. Um, it's, sometimes I feel that people complain because there's nothing else they can do at all. Like their hands are just tied and they, that's all they can do is just to vent their frustration one way or another. And I think everybody does complain, but however, I do find it, it's problematic when it becomes a perseveration when you do it over and over and over again until it just it just becomes your automatic response and where it's like a Pavlov's response you gotta win like a plane <laughs> any line complain and then that's when it becomes a problem it becomes a habit when it becomes almost a natural part of your conversations then I think it's become encoded and you're drowning in negativity and don't even know it and I'm not gonna even bother trying to 
get the or the evil origin story of just people complaining about things. I just I just I just believe that there really isn't any room for it because now it become a, now now in this generation it's become a sport. You know, to where the taglines of oh you know oh my god this person's being a Karen because they're complaining about something, and I just never seen any use to it. Yes, of course, you know we use it in a comedic sense, like I said earlier. But if your food is done wrong or you feel the service is horrible, I mean the first thing you can do is going to raise your voice, complain, put in a Yelp review, put in a Google review, stuff like that. What happened to the days of just walking up to the person, the company, and saying, hey, excuse me, you know, this isn't the way this should be, or I believe I was charged this, or I should have been charged that. What made it so popular now to cause a big stink? I mean, like, what do you believe that that originated from? I need to, I need to kind of put this in perspective. It's always been there. Remember, the customer is always right is not a new thing. That was a um, macroeconomics term way back, way before this generation or even my generation. And so, or even like, even in a comedic sense, remember where's the beef? Yes. That was comedic complaining. And so it's always been this way. As long as we have, so like when we invited fire, like, oh, that's too hot. <laughs> or the, or the, when they, when they invented the wheels, like, oh, that's too round. <laughs> <laughs> So it's not a new thing. It's always been there. People have always freaked out each other and been really demanding. It's, I believe it's because we have new ways to complain and, and different ways. We have more variety of things to complain about. We have, like, social media to me is screaming into a room full of people that you know and hoping people will listen. And so I just think when we have a more ways to be surrounded by it it does seem like it's it's there and again you know people are always like when i was a little boy you know it's i complained so much i kind of believe it's because people lack perspective and they don't know of another better way to cope with things to take perspective and be mindful and think okay is you know voicing my negativity truly going to help things is it going to you know it was this temporarily minor joy of complaining is it actually good for my spirit and the answer are no but they may not be able or not know of anything else to do it's kind of like what everything like complaining is like a hammer and you see everything is a nail rather than knowing that you have other tools or tool belt that's a really interesting way of looking at it. And to piggyback on what you said, now social media is really big now. And I think that's that's used for people just to get their frustrations out. And you'd be surprised. You know, I'm not a big Twitter guy. I mean, of course, I use Twitter as an outlet for our shows. But it's interesting to scroll through a little bit and you see, you know, you have people recording going into restaurants and just anywhere. And it's causing a big stink over the most asinine things and it's it's like a i'm trying to think it's not like the news because before you know the news was just out there it would just grab you what the headlines will be and tune in at this time to see it but now it's like the clickbait um lady walks into a restaurant 
and throws a drink at a at a at a worker because you know her drink was flat or her burger was done wrong you know we are just now drawn to this now and i don't think it's healthy i don't i don't think it's healthy for the mind the body and the, and the spirit like you mentioned earlier it's just it's more or less it's more or less negativity for entertainment and the, that's that's one of my viewpoints on it and and i can be i and i can be off but it's just my personal beliefs about it. Mm -hmm. um, Aristotle once laid out the, I think the seven essential elements of a story. And one of the, them is spectacle. And what is a story without a spectacle? And so when we're getting a grand spectacle, say for example, um, somebody freaking out at the front desk agent at the airport, we, we are automatically drawn to it that's a moment where everybody is expected to drop everything they're doing and look and stare and gawk at them. It'd be kind of interesting if you didn't do that, when somebody's just like red-faced, you know, like slobbering young at some poor person. <laughs> and so we're, we are drawn to it. It's almost like a um, fear, like a primordial fear response. Like when something really dramatic is happening, you better pay attention You're gonna, because like it's instinctual because something could happen. And so it is kind of feeding into that when people kind of do these things. And it is, it does seem like more of a American thing. Because in other cultures, they're, you know, they don't really encourage that at all. Um, I've heard anecdotally that there was a, um, an Eastern European nation, maybe a Scandinavian country where people don't talk about their feelings. Like they don't, they don't complain. It's like it's a because it's almost like cultural belief. Like it's like it's like a horrible faux pas to complain, and which may have some sort of repercussion of being unable to express yourself. But it was interesting to think about how here, again, you know, you complain and you usually get your way. You get something out of it. You know, whereas other countries like you're just seen as a troublemaker and you may, you know be treated as such yes and that is true and so so actually let me ask you and of course i mean you've you've traveled you've been to other countries is, is it more prominent here in the u.s or in japan or or, or is there any other countries with countries with less strict um social order kind of it's like there's a higher chance of people kind of like flipping out that are more readily engaging in social what i call social combat mm. whereas other countries like you know you know you're you don't step out of your line and you don't you know you don't break the code it's more highly um valued or just stringent so when there's more kind of wiggle room for power and a power you know power struggle then you know you may do that because you also got to think customer service is a very american thing you go to some like let's say european countries like no they don't care they're not gonna they're not gonna let you adjust your food they're not gonna let you return things it's like so it's like so you bought so what you know and they just have they probably have the right to just kick you out if you try to you know try to be raise a ruckus and that is true now i read a story and i'm gonna admit a whole lot of it because it's kind of inconsequential um, a lady went to another country on vacation and her and her friend had a rent-a-car 
and they got into an accident with the rent a car. And so she went to go pick up her passport, her information, whatnot from, from a direct vehicle. So whatever, whatever happened, whatever thing happened between herself and the worker, she yelled and complained at the worker. The worker called the police and due to that country's culture, she got arrested for yelling. She got arrested for complaining. And she is still being held there because that's, that's the laws over there. And I found that quite not entertaining because it's not entertaining. It's, it's just interesting because now with, with that country's culture, you raise your voice, you complain, this is the consequence. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on something like that? I mean, do you, do you think something like that should, should happen? Or, once again, that person being from America, they're just used to that? The wise answer is to say that I wish I knew more of the details to really try to examine it. Because if she was being threatening, if she was making this person feel like they were in danger, then, yeah, they should have faced some repercussions, you know, versus, you know, how she was behaving but we can say that when you go to another country you carry along your values and you have to be flexible you have to be because you can't expect the world to be the same exact thing as home and it's really silly when people get mad like oh i hate this place because it's not like, like home well why did you go there in the first place and <laughs> just stay home save some money and so uh that's just it you know you may disagree with the place's country's laws or culture but you can't go there and expect to change things just because it's like you're you're a guest in somebody's home you can't just be like well i'm just gonna wear my shoes in here and just poop on the floor (laughs) (laughs) that's just not how it works and that it's also to me a lot of this for me is strategic now I one of my pet interests is negotiation, and when you view conflict as a problem-solving scenario, and that you and the other person or persons that you're with are actually trying to find a way to resolve the conflict together, it's so much more healthy and so much more constructive rather than becoming a yelling match or worse. Because if you can see it that way, you can actively work towards resolving things and not. And being able to keep your cool when it's okay, this is a team problem solving with emotional <laughs> that's emotionally charged. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, logic was, yeah, logic definitely should have been used, especially going to another country and you don't know the culture. Um, of course, you can not use the phrase, I didn't know I couldn't do that because that doesn't fly. Um, but yeah, just, just going back to the whole complaining thing, do you think, and of course, once again, this is an obvious kind of answer, but we like to solve world problems here on, on, on this podcast, so you know, we're, we're definitely going to do this. Because, Kevin, we're, we're not heroes. We're, we're, we're legends, <laughs> and it's okay. Uh, <laughs> now, just when it comes to complaining, like I say, it all, goes, you know, it all affects your emotional, um, your, your emotional, it affects your health, stuff like that. What do you think we as a society can do to really just cut back on that? I mean, I always preach... To appreciate the little things, you know, I preach to appreciate life, because once again, it's really, really sacred, and you don't know when your time is up. And so, do you want to spend that time 
looking for things to complain about or flying off the handle if your burger's made wrong or just like little little things like that that doesn't make that doesn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things well it's it's a big question actually and i believe it um it's not only an individual um action but a societal change for example please stop feeding into negativity stop feeding into kind of revenge fantasies what i find more interesting is like than like your 80s action film where like oh you gotta this drug lord captured my girlfriend i killed him hooray everything's all good <laughs> no repercussions at all is like the series or movies that explore the cost of revenge now revenge can be empty and how it's just it costs you more than you ever were willing to risk it's it's also kind of like teaching people how to cope we don't teach that at all and i think that's something we should actively teach each other with young age we shouldn't i guess enforce tantrums whether it be a, a child screaming or adult threatening another person we there's got to be a better way and it's it is a style thing i see it done here and there but not enough if we just see as a cultural value and something that can really benefit us all and and stop people from really flying off the handle and making things worse uh us as a, say, the world community can do better see, i think that's that's just all good in theory and i think a big part of me believes it can be done but i mentioned before that it's much easier to see doom gloom despair violence stuff like that versus versus you know seeing a fire you know, a fireman get a kitty out of a tree <laughs> you know mm-hmm. or yeah, yeah. something good that happens the good stuff unfortunately generally speaking for most is, is boring when you mm-hmm. turn on the news yeah. and you see you know a three-car pileup cars on fire people running around you know beating themselves in a the head trying to put the fire out they enjoy that much more. They, they enjoy that much more because because it definitely gets your blood pumping, your endorphins going, and you and the human race loves to see stuff like that. And it's all it's all about being pro, it's all about being reprogrammed and, and relearning things to appreciate the good before it's too late, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I do think also sometimes we need to gently challenge people on things and like like okay, it's like I know this is a tough time, but waiting is okay and think, think of a grander scheme like um i was at popeyes with my family the other day and it was waiting a long time for that chicken and like a part of my way myself was like i'm getting tired of waiting but i'm like i don't know what else is going on i don't know what's going in the kitchen or food and so for me to put pressure on people might think make things worse with the family next to me they kind of were being a little bit um passive aggressive by themselves i'm like okay i understand that but I don't have to do that and to think like a lot of times we do have a choice of how we let our affection um, emotions affect us and I guess it's acknowledging your frustration and your your negative feelings but at the same time like what are you gonna do with it are you gonna let things make things worse and that is true I mean I've always been one nowadays and well let me let me rewind I'm not nowadays um, in my 20s, my late 20s going to my 30s, is to 
I don't know, just to keep your keep my emotions in check. Because you have to. Like I said before, nothing good becomes nothing good becomes an anger. Not at all. Yelling and screaming at someone really doesn't do anything. I mean, yes, it may intimidate. Yes, it may scare, or it may incite some some violence. Mm-hmm. And once it's once it's all over, you know, nine times out of ten, everything could be resolved in just regular conversation or taking a deep breath, or realizing that, hey, I understand it's gonna take my chicken to get a little bit longer than normal. It is what it is. Yes, I'm hungry, but I think I but I think I can survive for another five or so minutes waiting for my food. Wow, that's a black joke. I like chicken. Anyhow, I digress. But um. But you understand what I'm saying. understand what I'm saying when it comes to that. Absolutely. You know, I was just thinking. What's really telling about a certain person is like, like I want to I want to start this experiment, asking them about their their opinion of the Joker. So Adrian, I want to ask you, what is your opinion of the Joker? I'm not going to split hairs and say, which version? No. <laughs> um, that's, a really, that's a really good question. And, I, and I'm, I may have to rethink my answer a few times after I say it. My opinion of the Joker, he's a quote-unquote villain who's been put through the ringer in life. And he cannot keep his emotions in check. He lost control of his emotions which caused anger, which caused pain, which caused despair. And I know people sensationalize the Joker character, the Joker character um, multiple versions of it, of course. Everyone has seen t-shirts and the memes of the Joker and Harley and how they want that kind of relationship, n- not realizing <laughs> that that relationship is violent, it's super violent, it's abusive, everything, but... People have a twisted sense of romance, but I digress. Um, I see him as a villain who cannot keep control of his emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for answering that. Um, for me, Joker is one of the most dangerous villains that have been um, uh, created. And that's why he's so fascinating. Like, I guess with the mainstream version of Joker, maybe let's just say the um, uh, Death of the Family version, if you guys read these comics, um, his whole ethos, his whole raison d'etre is to, sh- to show that everybody is, is evil in their core, to bring that out of him, out of them, is his, his mission. Um, for those of you who read or played um, the... Uh, that one um, series where um, he ends up killing Lois Lane and turning Superman into a villain and because Superman decides to kill the Joker, he wins. He absolutely, because he dies, showing that you know the ultimate hero of, of Earth, of the universe, can be corrupted. That's his whole thing. And it is telling if people glamorize the Joker it is telling to see um, them admiring him and really, or not even understanding the whole psychology of it all. To me, he is the ultimate evil, and he is nothing to be respected for. He he has, you know, done horrible things to Batgirl, um, Barbara Gordon, 
and just is on his whole never-ending quest to torment Batman, even though and sometimes he thinks, oh, um, I'm um, like without you, there's no me. Claim to think that he's like his his other half, um, and so and I just think it's kind of telling if somebody doesn't see the darkness and in this person and thinks, oh yeah, he's like me. And I'm like that. You should be on the FBI watch list. <laughs> <laughs> well, just on top of that, um, generations now they want to see the backstory the producers the creators they want to show the backstory of the villain with with the understanding that everyone has a story you know nothing is black and white everything is shades of gray and as entertaining as it is if you peel back the layers a bad guy's a bad guy a villain's a villain you know in my in my opinion my belief is if I walk up to your loved one and I pull out a gun and I shoot them dead, I'm a villain. It doesn't matter that I was abused as a child or I got hit by a v- I got hit by a car and you know or the cat scratched my genitals and I got angry and wanted to take out twenty people. The fact is, I've done something wrong, and I should pay for doing something wrong. You know, I mean, yes, there is a case study to be had. But once again, when you boil it down, a person did something wrong, and that's a villain. There, there is no need for the backstory. Right. I do like learning about back, a person's backstory. It, excuse me. It's important and it's interesting because as you, you see their motivation and how they were raised, and I also kind of think it also. In, in some cases, monsters create monsters, it, 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 like kind of like victims of sexual abuse, sometimes becoming abusers themselves. I mean, look at R. Kelly, you know. So, but again, I agree. Like, at some point, when you decide to hurt people, you have to be accountable. You can't just blame it on your past, the hundred percent. Me, but like you know. Maybe you did it out of revenge against somebody. Maybe you, you, you decide to attack your abuser. Then that's a different story. But if you keep using your past to justify your evil actions today, it doesn't really redeem you. No, not at all. And I'm glad you brought that up because um, I see, of course, this is horrible podcast etiquette because I'm sniffling. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up <laughs> because there was a scene in Austin Powers. Have you seen Austin Powers many, many years ago? Yeah, I've seen the original. Yes. So, in the director's cut of Austin Powers, there's an ongoing joke. One of the bad guys, you know, Austin Powers killed. And, in a, in a little Easter eggs, little backstory, the guy's like, okay, he has a family. You know, uh, I had to tell his wife that he died. I had to tell his kids, you know, that their father passed away. I had to tell their uncles and stuff like that. They want this big separate tangent about how this bad guy died and how much it affected everybody. And it was, it was hilarious, but it was a good telling of, like, say, for example, John Wick. John Wick is killing all these bad guys, these quote-unquote bad guys. You don't know if they're villains or not, but he just murdered, like, 30 people in a span of 20 minutes. 
but he's yeah. but, but but he's the bad guy. <laughs> no matter no matter what his reasoning is, he's the bad guy. And he's slaughtering all these people that have families. You know, but you're not you're you're not trained to see that. You're trained to see it as a revenge. Because once again, the path to happiness is never in a straight line. The path to revenge is never in a straight line. There are casualties. There is friendly fire in the way and stuff like that. But you're not supposed to see that. You just see the hero taking out all the baddies just to get to the main villain. Mm-hmm. And I totally think there is a interesting, um, you know, dimension to it all. Because that's why they don't provide backstories to like the goons and those guys because it would humanize them and that made the the you know the protagonist that much more callous. Because let's think about it, you know, let's just say we're you know we're driving on the road and if you know something you knew cut you off, you probably wouldn't get so mad at them, maybe a little less, because you wouldn't feel because you know their story, you know them as a person. But the strangers easily get mad at. It's because like you don't have relationships with them; they're just somebody that cut you off, and that's all you know with them. So, I kind of think it's a little more interesting for you know here comic book heroes that like they don't kill because I think they understand that that everybody deserves a second chance and that when you kill somebody that's final that's it well sometimes in comic books but yeah yeah when you realize that maybe you just think there's some sort of hope that this person can change or maybe there's bigger repercussions than to kill him it's kind of like when I think about the Punisher you know he's just out of his mind suffering PTSD he's he is just death incarnate will wipe out all the bad guys but he doesn't go after the bigger villains because that would be a chain effect because he doesn't go after galactus he doesn't go after thanos number one because he can't and number two that if he does that just cause a bigger problem mm. I, n- n- I never thought about the punisher but yes that you definitely make a good point yeah, it's and it's, it's interesting it's interesting now that our um that villains they're now looked upon as, I understand what happened now. And I kind of sit back and I'm like, really? <laughs> you did not just see what he just did or what she just did? Okay, you care about, okay. So, no, I'm sorry. I don't feel sorry for you, <laughs> you know, that you didn't get that pony you wanted or, or daddy spanked you way too hard. You know, so now you're a villain and taking out 20 people. Um, but, yeah, um, I just think the lines have been blurred because, A, it makes for a better story. You know, mm-hmm. and B, it makes for good continuations of movies. Absolutely. Like, I think I might have mentioned in the past, one of our past podcasts that um, in one of, um, it was Avengers um, extra story about the little, this little boy who used to idolize the Avengers until he realized his um, older brother was in the Serpent Society. And then he found his older brother was hatching a, pl- a terrorist plot. So he snitched him out. And then, you know, at the end, the final panel said something that, like, um, you know, so-and-so will always do the right thing, but maybe he just won't look forward to it anymore. Mm. And I thought that was such, like, at the time, I was so young, and I just really didn't understand. I'm like, what does that really mean? I don't understand until I got older. Like, oh, I mean, sometimes, you know, the lines between hero and villain doing the right thing and the wrong thing are not as clear cut. No, not at all. And speaking of which, and then we'll hit another topic. 
um, which made me really think, I mean, looking at it through, through uh, more experienced eyes is, like I said, I look at John Wick. I look at Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. And watching Kill Bill with, with a different set of eyes is very, is very interesting. Because, once again, millennials, for those of you who have not seen Kill Bill, which you should have by now, (laughs) uh, uh, Uma Thurman plays her bride, who basically almost gets killed. And she plans her revenge. And she, unfortunately, kills a lot of people to get there. And But, of course, the baddies, they don't have names or faces or anything. They're just regular, disposable bad guys. And you would think, does that make her the villain? killing all these people just to get to her bad guy. I mean, I mean, does that make her just, you know, just as evil as them? But once again, I mean, we are programmed to kind of unplug our brain a little bit and just watch the mindless violence and watch the good guy, you know, kill the bad guy so the bad guy gets their comeuppance. Not thinking that you have to go through a lot of different people to get there. So, but once again, I'm just looking too deep into it and, don't worry, my dear listeners. I still enjoy movies for what they are. I try not to take it apart too much, but it's you know it's a great um, social experiment to find out who really is the villain in all this. And I think I lost Kevin or put him to sleep. Yep, I think I might have put him to sleep, or I might have lost him here. <laughs> so yes. But yes, but, but heroes and villains is, is definitely it's a strange dichotomy. So it's always it's a it's a never ending topic, and you have to ask yourself in your life: Are you the hero or the villain? So we're gonna take a slight pause just for a couple seconds. You'll never know that we're gone. I'm gonna track down Kevin. I think I need to wake him up. So, huh? oh, hold on. I think I woke him up. Kevin, are you still there with me? All dropped. Okay, no problem. I thought I put you to sleep with my ramblings, but I'm definitely glad you're back. <laughs> Yeah, we'll just we'll we'll at point. <laughs> <laughs> now, so I was talking shit about Kill Bill. I thought I, you know I, I thought I made you mad. So, uh, <laughs> and then what are, what other topics do you have before we before we go off into rants? Um. Okay. So I was I think about this one a lot. Now there's an old school rule that I really enjoy, called that dictates that you know, in polite conversation you shouldn't talk about religions. Pol- Religion, politics, or money. And I think that's really nice because people break those rules all the time. Like, people kind of talk about, you know, how much this costs they have and how much they spend on this, and just like, that's kind of crass. And then, uh, religion, of course, people always, like, let's face it, we, we live in a, um, a Christian country, whether they really know that or not, or acknowledge it or not. Like, that's the dominant religion of America. And people kind of assume that everybody is Christian, everybody sees the world in their way. And also, you know, I've talked about this on Serial Beer, but um, just people who are not very careful kind of shove their political beliefs in people's faces that they don't even know they agree or not. And I... I just want people to abide by these rules because this show is kind of like you're more careful with your social interactions and, and knowing that not everybody is just like you and that you shouldn't kind of just, you shouldn't just be out there just say something like controversial. It, it just because. Like, I, I just keep running into 
a lot of people that are different from me and just kind of throw something offhanded at Lee. I'm just like, why would you do that? Why would you just be so like assumptive that I would agree with you or that this could start an argument? Are you just that um, callous or that you don't consider other people's feelings? It's just inconsiderate. And like, has anybody assumed they were just like you and gave some and said something really controversial to you? Oh, of course, all the time. Um, I'll give you a really simple example, and then I'll get you one deeper. Simple. Waiting in line at the grocery store. Lines taking a little bit longer than it should. Whether it be the person in front of me has coupons, or the person behind the cash register is having a hard time. The person behind me makes some comment, makes some off-handed, off-color remark, and they look at me and they kind of give me the, you know, the elbow to the rib and go, "Uh, am I right?" And I'm like, "No, no, you're not right." I'm just waiting here to get my groceries and go home. Okay, you and your flip-flops, leave me alone, Spartacus. Just let me get my food and let me go home. No, oops, I don't, uh, I don't share the same sentiment with that. So that's what, one of the things that I feel about that part. But other than that, no, it's, it's pretty odd. Yeah, and also, I mean, to get more intricate, um, I'm, you know, uh, I'm waiting in line at, uh, at the grocery store again and just listening to people talk politics. And me, once again, I really don't talk about my political views on anything because it's not for me to push my political views on anyone else. So this gentleman was talking about, you know, the power of Trump. And, you know, to his friend, and they're going on and on about President Trump. And I'm just, you know, nodding my head and just keeping to myself. And he looks at me and goes, oh, are you a Trump supporter? And I... I'm like, well, okay, I kind of declined to answer that. You know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to really spark any kind of debate while I'm waiting here to check out my stuff. And the guy's like, oh, come on, it's okay, it's okay. I'm like, okay. After a few minutes of poking and prodding, I'm like, no, I'm not really a Trump supporter. And the guy looked at me like I had flaming turds coming out of my nose. And he's like, why not? I'm like, well, I just, I just really don't prefer his tactics. I really don't prefer his ideals. Just... Not really my bag. Trying to keep everything kind of innocuous a little bit. And, you know, and he, and of course, you know, America came out and he started rattling off all the things that Trump does and everything. I'm like, okay, well, that's wonderful to each his own. I'm going to focus on getting my groceries. Yeah. And then he, you know, it's really odd not to go off on a tangent, but if you don't share the same political views with somebody, they will just attack you. I mean, just attack you. They'll kick your dog, you know, stab your mother, everything. And he went off on a tangent for a good three minutes of why Trump is so great. I'm like, okay, well, that's wonderful. I don't like him very much. (laughs) And here's why. But I got sucked into it. It was my fault. I allowed myself to get pulled into it. But, yes, I mean, he started off as a nice guy. And then he turned into the Hulk. And just Hulk smashed the conversation, and I was an American. I don't know what I'm talking about, and I shouldn't support Sleepy Joe, whatever that means, and stuff of that nature. And I just grabbed my groceries and cashed out and left because it just hurt my brain. Number one, it's not your fault. He he went out. He just you know he he assumed that you know you you would thought the same way. Why? 
who knows? And then he decided to be uncivil with it. It is squarely his fault. And, you know, he's probably still at home right now, like, oh, that, how dare that? <laughs> that book <bullet> like <laughs> He doesn't agree with me. Does he know white people that just know better? <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to tell the rest of the clan members. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He decided to be uncivil with it. You know, he decided to be a child with it. He just, he lacked this thing um, which is called theory of mind. Now, theory of mind usually develops in difficult development people about, you know, six or seven years old. He must have missed out on that. And he must, uh, he must also live in the echo chamber. He must look, yeah, yeah, yeah like my god emperor. Yeah, that's, that's my guy. <laughs> He's my best friend and he'll buy me lunch and it'll be huge and, you know, it'll be perfect. And like, I I just find myself having so much less tolerance for people like that. Like I just don't want to be in their sphere because they can't respect anybody else's opinions that differ from theirs. It's just like like super romantically religious people who get mad at you for not being of the same religion, of the same sect as they are, which is completely bizarre to me. But because they can't accept that other people feel differently than them. And they may have, you know, valid points. I mean, there are some conservative talking points which I can understand with, I can identify with. Okay, yeah, I can I can get where you're coming from. Whereas others are completely just off base. Like I've mentioned before, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but some opinions are more defensible than others. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree. And it's interesting, I've heard a quote which kind of made me chuckle you know, it's like, I will beat peace into you, you know. You know, I will beat religion into you. I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that's wonderful. I'm glad I stay away from it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, it's the old saying, you know, you don't, you don't talk about your ex, you don't talk about politics, you don't talk about religion. Because, obviously, one of those three things is going to spark some sort of debate. And either you'll get someone will argue logic with emotion. If you do that, there is no common ground. One person is going to feel that they're right. One person is going to feel that they're wrong. And I choose not to get into debates like that. In my line of work, um, there is a whole lot of political heavy customers that I have. And once they get into politics, I just, you know, I mean like a bobblehead. I just nod my head and smile. And I try not to argue because it's not my place, number one. And number two, you know, it's not my place to force my beliefs on people. I have a strong belief system about a multitude of things, but it's not for me to, to force it upon you, as, as other people, for whatever reason, mm -hmm. tend to do. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. The human race loves to be right. You know, we all mm -hmm. love to be right. And even when we're wrong, a good chunk of us will never admit it. You know, we will, we will go around our ass to get to our elbow to keep proving that we're right, <laughs> even though we're wrong. Mm -hmm. But... When it comes to things like that, I just tend to stay away from it because nothing good ever comes of it. Mm -hmm. Yep, and just, uh, I think, again, with these really hot topic things, the only way to win is not to play the game. And sometimes just like, what's that? I don't know what that is, huh? <laughs> <laughs> what's a president? <laughs> You're like, Trump? Sure, whatever you say, I'm going to keep moving. Okay. What's a Trump? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, so or just or just outweird them. Let's see, you can do that. I can't. You know, I you know, I mean, I strike an angry black man face, and they still talk to me. So it's great. Uh, <laughs> uh, just just start talking about something else. Like, hey, let me tell you about some. <laughs> let me tell you about Winston Martin Morales. Sit down and let me tell you. <laughs> I said, sit down and let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you about horse meat. You know. Just <laughs> Exactly. At least I can always be like, oh, I don't speak English. That's all I know how to say. You see, for that, I'm envious. I'm so envious. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, 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 as, but as our show winds down this week, uh, I want to ask you for rants. What, what rants do you have for us? Mm, okay. Rants. So I think it's completely crazy that Americans are so bad at geography. I'm horrible with geography. I barely know what side of town I'm in. And I'm just like, oh, that one near the this thing. And, <laughs> and like, you ask somebody, hey, where is um, uh, Tunisia? And they're like, oh, is that Atlantis? <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's just like part of our education that seems to be like such a great oversight. But I notice people from other countries know their geography quite well. Like, even local geography, like, if you ask me where's the approximate location of Kansas or Missouri, I'm like, mm, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> somewhere near Wyoming, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it is tough, and, you know, it's always be like, I don't know my geography. I have anything. So, <laughs> I just, that's one of my difficulties. <laughs> Oh, that's about you. Okay, well, one of my rants. I'll keep this one simple. My rant is when when some some people don't realize that there's a whole world out there. You know, there's a whole world outside of their home, outside of their state, and they get so wrapped up in something so local that they can't look beyond themselves. Now, what I mean by that is that my sister used to tell me she goes, you know, there are, you know. A, pl- a million plus people in this world, you know, look outside yourself, you know, travel, meet people, see things and just experience life versus other people who just don't want to go anywhere, you know, and they think that the one state I'm in, the one city I'm in, the one town I'm in, that's it. You know, if I drive past Kentucky, I'm going to fall off a cliff because there's nothing else there, you know, not realizing <laughs> that... You know, there's other states out there. God forbid there's other countries out there. You know, so, I mean, there's, you know, there's so much to see. There's so much to do in this little life that we have. You don't want to expand your mind. You know, even if you can't afford to go anywhere, you know, look online and read about other cultures. You know, learn a new language. Just do something. You know, because I still can't understand. I still can't wrap my feeble little brain around that people that are content just being in one spot and not wanting to branch out and just see and just learn new things. And, you know, I was, I was told at a very young age, you know, when you graduate high school, before you go off to college, travel, just travel, you know, hop in, hop in the car, drive to other states, you know, or just meet new people, go visit them, stuff like that. You know, and just get out there because we get to be a certain age, 
you're not going to want to travel anymore as much. You know, you want to settle down and just be one with your memories. And you, it still surprises me that some of the classic people that I know over the years still haven't left their bubble. And just like I want to pull people up with me, I still get sad when I realize that, oh, you've been in Oklahoma for, you know, 30 years and you haven't gone anywhere else. The little bitty town that has like 200 people, you know all 200 people but haven't left to go experience something else. That just, you know, it's, to me it's kind of a head scratcher because there's so much out there and whatever reason, they, you know, they don't want to take advantage of it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, some people just, I don't know, maybe, I think, I think some people just see comfort rather than expansion because that's what they want and that's what they like. And just, I find it, um, I don't know what to tell them. It's like, okay, well, if that's what you really value, what really brings you your happiness, then okay. As for me, that's, you know, I get it, but there's more to life for me. Of course, you know, and I guess that's that's very schmucky of me <laughs> to you know to you know, like to want people to do the things that I want. It's kind of hypocritical, you know. But like I said before, I I just want people just to experience life because, like I said, I mean, you just never know. I mean, once again, not to get grim and macabre or anything, just you just never know. You know, you don't want to look back and say, "I wish I could have did A, B, and C, and D." And I'm in my rocking chair, you know, screaming, screaming at kids to get off my lawn, you know, whereas I went to Germany, I went to Japan, I went to Indonesia, and I have all these memories, all these things that I can share knowledge with, you know, versus, you know, being in Nantucket and, 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 you know, and not going anywhere. But once again, on the flip side, I understand your point. I, I really do. I mean, some people are comfortable where they're at and really don't want to go anywhere because they believe that they don't need to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's just it for them. Damn you, Kevin, for being logical. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid empathy. Why can't I just be a bro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Damn, damn you, Chad. You're such a Chad. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but as the show comes to a close, of course, for another week of the Walker AC experience, uh, we'd like to thank everyone for tuning in, for listening to our dribble, and you know for enjoying us for who we are, what our views are. You may like us, you may not like us. <laughs> the show may be exciting, it may suck, but at least it's here to make you think and make you ponder and entertain. This is what we do. Other than solving the world's issues in secret, because you know we don't want to get paid for it, we don't want people to know who we are. Uh, we actually provide a good service as we try to. So we thank everyone for joining us as always. And uh, Kevin, where can they find you if they want to talk to you? What are, what are your parting words uh, for you know for the people out there? Um, I guess you could try emailing me at serialandbeer at hotmail.com. Uh, maybe we'll check that. I don't know. I don't even know if we need another password anymore. <laughs> um, Jeff, Jeff and I usually post... Um, updates of cereal and beer on our Facebook so you can like and comment uh, there um, and I'm here too so probably find me here is pretty good too at the slacking majestically at uh, what are the numbers again <laughs> slacking majestically <laughs> 01 at yahoo.com 
Yeah, that one, the Yahoo. <laughs> Sweet. And, of course, like I said, before in the beginning of the show, you can find us under uh, walkerac76.podbean.com. That's walkerac76.podbean.com. That's where you'll find links for all the other apps that you can find us on, all the free apps that are out there. If you want to find us and don't want to go through all the legwork, just go on Google. Type in the Walker AC Experience. That's what you can find, uh, all the platforms you can find us on. And once again, this has been the Walker AC Experience. I've been Adrian. This has been Kevin Yu. And we'll see you again next time. Oh, before I go, before I go, the latest edition of Cereal and Beer is now out. Please take a listen to it. Like I mentioned before, it's an awesome show to listen to. Um, you can find them on Podomatic. You can find them on here. Listen to past episodes. Um, Kevin and Jeff are hilarious. They, were, they are way more intelligent than I will ever be. And uh, yeah, yeah, they're really good. So I steal some of their bits. See, this is, it's this, okay. This, it's, <laughs> permanent, it's permanent borrowing. <laughs> a trademark. Anyhow, uh, everyone, have a good week, and we'll talk to you again soon.